Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it might be that you are tuning in. This is the Leadership Connection. I'm your host, Doug Pluckna. And today I have a very special guest in Matt Stegmiller. How are you doing, Matt? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Well, not bad. It's been one of those crazy days here at home where uh, I got rain the better part of the day and have a list of stuff that's, uh, you know, between spring and summer gardening and then trying to get done and, you know, the rain hangs in there all day long. And then about four o'clock it it shut off. So I went outside and got some things done. And the next thing I know, I'm looking at my watch going, Oh, I'm supposed to be online talking to Matt. So anyway, if you could please uh, give our listeners a background about yourself, uh, who you are, where maybe you went to school, where you've worked, some of the positions you've held, those types of things. Sure. Uh, well, I went to uh, North Dakota State University, uh, where I got my bachelor's in mechanical engineering. Um, my first quote-unquote professional job uh, while I was still in college was a co-op I did at one of Bobcat Company's manufacturing plants. I worked in the quality control department there, and my main area of focus was on the mini excavator assembly line. And I was there for about seven, eight months. So it was a summer and a semester uh, co-op. After that, I did two summer internships at what was uh, Tesoro at the time at one of their refineries. And there, uh, my main project uh, took really almost both summers to to finish was just some data collection and and compiling of the data for all the rotating equipment at the the plant. Uh, When I graduated college, I took a job with EAPC, uh, it's a small engineering and architecture consulting firm. Uh, there I worked in the industrial services group um, and worked for a variety of industries, including power production, mining, um, and agricultural processing, just to name a few. Um, while I was there, I spent most of the time working for sugar beet processing plants. Um, and I, so I worked there for, for a few years before deciding that I'd preferred to be on the owner's side uh, rather than on the consulting side. Um, so from there, I went to work at uh, uh, one of MDU's power plants as a plant engineer. Um, and there it was a small plant, so I got to be involved in pretty much everything. And um, there, too, I was there for a few years and uh, was contacted and recruited by a company called uh, EngTech KPE, uh, another small engineering and architecture consulting firm. And they were looking for someone to run one of their offices and and take a lead role in the investigative engineering side of the business. And I ended up taking the position as I became interested in the investigative engineering side uh, when I learned about it and, you know, found out more, you know, what it was and what it all entailed. And I ended up only being there for about six months um, as it turned into really just being commercial consulting. And I just didn't have any interest in that. So from there, I started with the company I currently worked for. It was Tesoro when I first started, uh, then changed names to Endeavor, and is now Marathon Petroleum. I started as a pipeline engineer and was essentially operations engineering support for crude oil gathering and, and transport in the logistics side of the business. Um, I did that for a couple of years and then was moved into the reliability group during one of the company re- reorganizations. I've been in that role for about five years now, and through additional acquisitions, mergers, buyouts, and and reorganizations, I now support assets uh, nationwide for crude oil gathering and transport and and natural gas gathering and processing. 
So the, the short answer is I have a pretty varied background, but seem to have landed in a good spot in reliability. Very good. Well, it sounds like you're a busy guy these days. So tell me, uh, through all those different positions, um, at some point in time, and it could have even been before this, because some people will go all the way back to grade school and high school uh, and talk about when they were first recognized as a leader. When would you say that happened for you? Well, so I'm going to take the perspective kind of on the, you know, professional side of that. Um, you know, and I, and I think that type of recognition will happen numerous times, you know, at varying levels throughout, not just the person's career, but as you said, kind of a person's life. Um, I'd have to say for myself, uh, the first time for me, um, I'd say it was in my first job after college. I was working for EAPC, and again, they're a small consulting firm. And I think I'd been there for about six months. Um, at that point, I'd spend, spent my, my entire time working on cost studies for explosion protection projects at sugar beet processing plants. And uh, I can still remember um, one day, I think it was one afternoon even, I was sitting at my desk and my boss walked over and, and dropped a stack of drawings on my desk and, and said I should start getting familiar with them as I was starting full-time on-site construction management for that project the following week. And uh, I'm sure the look on my face was priceless as he grinned at me and, and went back to his office. And I, I remember thinking I, I felt like that was my sink or swim moment. Uh, luckily, the project was for explosion protection at one of the sugar beet uh, plants, uh, just not one of the ones that I had that I had been working on. So I was familiar with the concept, uh, just had to you know figure out the the project and and uh, that side of the plant. Uh, All right. So I think I worked, I think I worked full time at the plant for about nine months before the project was finished. Um, I don't remember exactly, but I want to say it was about a three million dollar project which to me at the time was at a, a, an enormous dollar amount for a project. Um, but I, I think the fact that I was able to manage that project successfully, working with the contractors and owners on a daily basis, brought me recognition as a leader, even though I was a young kid fresh from college. It's a, quite a bit of a responsibility for somebody in their first job, for sure. So looking at your career to this point, are there a couple of people that you'd like to mention that were or have been mentors for you? Yeah, you know, I, I can't say there's one person in particular. Um, you know, there definitely have been multiple people. I've, I've worked enough places and, and with enough people that I've had the opportunity to learn from, from many different people. Uh, it's given me many different perspectives. And in some cases, it's not so much of uh, what I learned to do, it was what I learned not to do. And, and in some ways, those lessons have been some of the most valuable. Um, I've learned that hard work does pay off. Uh, I've learned it's valuable to include others and, and get input and opinions from them uh, because no one person knows everything. Uh, I've also learned that sometimes involving others or too many people can be counterproductive and you just have to make the best decision you can with the information you have at hand in order to meet time constraints. Challenging part of that is, is finding the right balance. Uh, I've learned being anything but open and honest will yield negative results, be open to change, challenges, and new opportunities. The simple act and attitude of saying yes to these things can take you places and teach you things you never would have thought possible. Um, you know, I, I think we're all capable of more than we realize 
We just have to let ourselves be free to achieve those things. Right. So that kind of leads into the question, uh, you know, coming up where I talk about and ask people, um, you know, if you were looking to hire a leader, what were some of the traits that you would look for in a person? I don't know if you've been in that position yet or not. Uh, If there were one or two things, maybe even three that you look for in people when you go to hire. Yeah. So, so that's a, that's a hard one to to narrow down um, to just a couple of traits. Um, you know, and, and really that's something I'm still, you know, working on figuring out myself. Um, a few that, that come to mind are hardworking, honesty, and, and integrity. Uh, I could list a lot more, but these, these are just kind of the first three that, that pop up. Um, hardworking seems pretty self-explanatory to me. It takes hard work and dedication to get things accomplished and be successful. Honesty, I feel, is really important because it earns trust. And without trust, you can't be a leader. Um, honesty is always the best policy, even if you're wrong or don't know something. Um, I think people will respect someone that's honest, and I can't think of a single instance where the opposite was true. Uh, integrity, because it earns respect and trust. All employees, leaders or otherwise, need to have integrity. With integrity, we know that person will do the right thing, own up to their mistakes, and has the best interest of the company in mind. So I think these three ta- these three traits are leading by example, and will give a leader that will inspire others. Um, these are also important for all employees, not just leaders. And if a leader doesn't have these traits, it'll be difficult. I think it'll be difficult for them to expect these things from others. I'm a believer in leading by example. It's an interesting response because I can tell you that uh, I had this conversation with a boss of mine many years ago. Um, and we were, you know, interviewing as a team and we got sitting talking between interviews. Um, what are some of the things you look for? And, and uh, the first thing I brought up was honesty. And he said, how the heck do you know that somebody's honest? Right. <laughs> and uh, I said, ask them whether they've ever screwed anything up in their life. If they have any regrets. Right. If somebody goes silent, they're not being honest with you. <laughs> Yeah, because we've we've all had those things, and I don't I don't care whether it's work related or life related that you can relate it to to and say, all right, provided I got an answer, I made the assumption that okay, somebody's being honest with me, right? Hard work, you go back to what's their career look like, right? Somebody that took two or three internships in college, you probably didn't need to do all those, right? But it shows you're motivated to go out there and, and uh, jump into this field and, and do things and get things done. That's impressive, right? So, um, looking also in terms of training, and, and you've worked both sides of the business here. You've been on the consulting side, you've been on the manufacturing side. Are there any courses or books that you could recommend to people that you read or took that uh, influenced your career at this point? Yeah, so um, I guess I would say really, really both training and a book. Um, I think I was about four or five years into my career uh, when I enrolled in a mentoring program of the company I was working for at the time. And the reason I did that, um, I had a goal going into it that I wanted to try and decide what I wanted to do with my career, whether that was staying in a technical role like I was in or if I wanted to pursue going into management. And as part of that program, 
Uh, I attended multiple training courses on people skills, courses that dealt with emotional intelligence, uh, different communication styles, how to handle challenging people in situations, how to be an effective manager, um, and things like that that are essential to being um, a successful manager or leader. Those courses ended up being more beneficial than I was expecting as it gave me insight into how to effectively work with and communicate with all different kinds of people. The people skills or, or soft skills side is uh, an incredibly important piece, both professionally and personally. I'd recommend anyone to take advantage of that kind of training if they have the opportunity. Um, as I said, I also, also have a book that comes to mind. And uh, oddly enough, it's, it's one that I also read as part of that same mentor program. Um, the book is called uh, Who Moved My Cheese? which I'm sure most people have probably heard of. And uh, when it was given to me to read, I remember it being explained to me as kind of a silly book. Um, and that was, that was accurate. I agree with that. Uh, but it also has a powerful message that I think most everyone could benefit from. For anyone that hasn't read it, it's all about change and that accepting and embracing change will give positive results and lead to success. Fighting change and, and having a negative attitude towards it will leave you behind. It's been a lot of years since I've read it, so I'm probably not summarizing that well. But my takeaway that has stuck with me is that change is a good thing, and I need to be open to it and embrace it. It's a critical part of being successful. Um, there, too, I'd recommend to anyone to read that book. Very good. Now, looking at your uh, experience on the manufacturing side, and I'm not sure that you've worked in a place like this, but... Uh, how do you go about, if you were to recommend a couple steps for people to change from going to a reactive culture to a proactive culture, what are a couple of things that you'd recommend they start with? Well, that's a, that's a good question. That's a challenging one. Um, if I had the answer to that or the secret to that, you know, I think I'd be able to retire. Um, the best I can come up with is that it's somewhat of a mindset. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but, but bear with me here. Um, years ago, if you'd asked me that question, I'd have just said, you know, I don't know. It's impossible to become proactive when there aren't enough hours in the day to react to everything that's going on. It took me a long time to, to come around, but my mindset slowly changed to one that, you know, I realized that I don't have a choice but to become proactive. And once I decided that and accepted that, it was easier for me to put the time into the activities to allow us to become proactive. Uh, this also meant that I wasn't putting as much time into the reactive needs um, or neglecting them in a sense, but that's, that's the trade-off. It's really hard to do initially uh, to seemingly ignore those reactive needs or you know, not put as much time into, into something as, as should be or you would like to do. But once you do and start seeing the payoffs from the proactive activities you're doing, the benefit becomes clear and the mental piece of it becomes much easier. From there, being proactive has a snowball effect as there gets to be less reactive needs. Um, and then when others see the payback from shifting to a proactive focus, it changes their mindset too. And then the change really starts to take off. Now, don't get me wrong. That's not an easy thing or, or an overnight change. It takes time and dedication. And uh, there will also be some growing pains, but it's well worth it. 
Um, so, I, I mean, really, that's easier said than done. And there will be setbacks along the way. But keeping a priority, it'll get you there one slow and sometimes painful step at a time. All right. So, um, looking at uh, the the best way to uh, start an initiative in a company, say you're, you go to some place and it's highly reactive, uh, which do you think is more effective, the top-down uh, push or the bottom-up? You know, so I think they both can work well. Um, you know, typically I would say, you know, uh, if I could pick a, a bottom-up or a, a grassroots style initiative, you know, I feel when things start at the bottom, it's more likely to, to have the support and buy-in of the workforce. And when you have the workforce buy-in and believe in something, the biggest challenge from there is going to be stopping it from, from becoming a success. Um, like I said, I think top-down can also work very well. I think it's a little more tricky in terms of, you know, how it gets delivered and, and supported, um, you know, for it to work. Uh, you know, it has to be more than just words, which, you know, I, I would say, if anything, that's probably the biggest challenge in top-down. Okay. Um, and I agree with that. I've, I've been to a number of places, as you can imagine, and uh, sometimes get to – the mumble and the grumble from from those were, you know, say supervision brings uh, brings me in to, to start and uses a percent of their budget. And I, you get to, oh, this is never going to work. It's just another program in the month, blah, 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 blah. Well, if you can get the people to say, all right, here's your chance to say, we're going to talk about a maintenance strategy and we're going to implement this. And so this is the chance for you to finally say, I know what needs to be done around here. And if it gets done, who's the, who are the people that were responsible for that success? It's you folks right here, right? And when that happens, uh, you see that culture change, right? And it spreads. It spreads from one work center and one department to the next to the next. Uh, the top downs are, are can be a struggle because then they do get to see that, let's see, program in the month and when it doesn't work here it doesn't work there they'll just try something else and, and a new manager is going to come along and that'll it'll all go away right so you hear and see those things uh and that runs into my next question which is all right if you have success how do you sustain that any ideas there um yeah, that, uh, um, you know, I, I think that that really kind of comes down to, you know, I can't say that's something I've really thought about before, other than, um, you know, it just kind of really comes with, you know, the, the lessons learned, you know, throughout uh, your career or, or throughout your life as, um, you know, as, as you've learned things and, and gain, gain knowledge from, from the experiences and, and things that you've done. You know, I, I think it really just kind of comes natural. Uh, you know, you, you, you get a feel for, for what works and, you know, how to approach approach certain problems and, and how to, uh, you know, make things work and, and continue to be successful. Um, so I, I think, I don't know that there's any, you know, silver bullet to that other than, you know, it, it just really kind of comes once, once you start figuring it out, um, you know, you, you just kind of continue down that path and, uh, you know, with, with what's been working for you. 
All right. I'll give you a tip that I, I got from uh, one of the people I consider a mentor, Ron Moore, because uh, I was struggling with this doing the RCM Blitz stuff across different companies. And, and uh, while I had a very good success rate of uh, things getting implemented, sustaining that was a, another challenge. And, and so I saw Ron at a conference and I asked him this question, how, you know, how do I keep it going? And he says, this, the, that's the question that I get the most. And he says, the answer is, is when somebody new comes in, you tell them, this is what we're good at. Keep your hands off of that. We're going to continue that. Here's the things we need you to work on, right? We don't need you to work on this particular machine or this particular process, or we're good at planning and scheduling, so work on kidding, uh, something like that. So he says, make sure that when somebody new comes in, they know what we've done and that they don't dabble with the stuff we've already had success with. All right. So looking at your, this point in your career, what would you consider to be your greatest success? Uh, you know, I would say it's, it's probably hard. It's hard to pick what I would call is, you know, greatest. Um, there are a few that come to mind. Uh, one being, as I mentioned before, the, that construction management project I did early in my career. Um, another, I would say, uh, would be a, a 13, it was a steam turbine overhaul I did at the, the power plant that I worked at. And it was about, a, ended up going about 13 weeks. And not only was that, you know, by itself a project that I'm proud of, um, but right in the middle of it, um, I actually took uh, the, the PE exam. And, uh, you know, as part of that, so, so during the overhaul, a 12 hour day, um, those were the short days. And uh, I remember the, the Friday before the test, I was at the plant and I was there till probably seven or eight at night. And uh, the next morning on Saturday was, was the test and it was an eight hour test. And then I was back at the plant on Sunday. And uh, I was you know, happy to find out I passed the test and even you know, better yet, I got a score that I, that I was quite happy with. And um, you know, so I feel like that was uh, you know, a pretty good success story for myself. And, um, you know, if I really had to think about it, if I was going to pick one thing as my greatest success, it'd probably be the the growth and development that I've had throughout my career. Uh, you know, I've, I really feel I've learned and grown a lot. And, you know, I, I still have a long ways to go. Um, you know, even so, I can still say that, that that's, that's my greatest success, I think. And, uh, you know, if I could pass one thing on to others, it's that you can accomplish anything you set your mind to. And, you know, I truly mean that and believe that, uh, the saying of whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. That's, that's very true. All right. Well, Matt, it's been great talking to you today. Uh, I wish you luck and continued in your career. And I'm sure that, uh, have no doubt in my mind that you'll be a successful guy. So, uh, any last comments that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, well, uh, thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, I, I sure hope that, you know, there's, there's some value in, in, you know, in, anything I said here and, and hopefully, hopefully some others can, can glean something out of it. All right. And if uh, someone would like to contact you, how could they go about doing so? Uh, you know, I'd say I, I should be pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. Uh, my last name is, is not all that common. 
I know the feeling, my friend. All right. Well, have a great day. This has been Doug Pluck, not with a leadership connection. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.